the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Everything in life is an exchange. We exchange hours every week for a paycheck. We exchange energy to visit friends. We exchange time to make phone calls. Everything in life is an exchange. And how much time, energy, and resources we're willing to trade for things ultimately reveal their value to each of us. Jesus gives us an important insight in Matthew 6 and 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the things we invest the most in are ultimately the things we value most. Now, here's a personal question. If God examined the things you devote most of your treasure to, what would he say you valued the most? I will never forget the moment when the Lord gave me a young, inexperienced man minister the most needed advice ever. He said, stop listening to what people say and watch what they do. Man, this is true for me and true for you. Actions always speak louder than words. So what is your life and the lives of people around you really saying? For more, go to gracechurchva.org. And as always, live big. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Live Big Broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer. Our goal is to teach God's Word in a way that compels you to live a life that overflows and blesses others. Today, we're going to dive into a classic message that we believe will strengthen and equip you. So stay tuned as we get into the Word. We're going to dig into your Word. We're going to learn some things, and we're excited about this chance and opportunity. Uh, Bless everyone who ears, open eyes, and we give you honor for it in advance. In Jesus' precious name, we all pray and say amen. Man. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. And we're going to talk about letting go and letting God. Letting go and letting God. Verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble. Now, if we're really family, if we're really brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be able to be transparent about, you know, the things that are going on in our lives. We should always be secret squirrel about w- what's happening. You know, everyone want, wants happiness, but no one, you know, wants pain. But you can't have a rainbow without the rain. So, you know, e- even though uh, there's more good than bad, we are going to experience some challenges. And this is what Paul is talking about. He said, our trouble, which came to us in Asia. Now, no one knows exactly what happened, at least today we don't know. Now back then they knew exactly what happened to Paul, but, but we don't know specifically what he faced in, in Asia. Some say he fought wild beasts. Uh, others say that, you know, he dealt with a major illness. Others say that, uh, you know, there, there were riots and perhaps it was a shipwreck. There's just a zillion things because Paul really went through a, a lot of things. Um, others say, you know what, he, he had a major beating while he was at 
Ephesus. So the Bible doesn't really go into detail about the event, but it does tell us about the impact. That's really, really important. You know, our events may be different, but, uh, you know, they still have impact in our lives. Let me put it this way. Uh, the events that happen in our lives may be different than the events that happen in Paul's life, but the events in our lives can also and still have a very, very similar uh, impact. Uh, but as always, I want to say to you, God gives his toughest battles to his toughest soldiers. And if you're in it, uh, God has already placed in you what it takes to get through it. It says, we were burdened, Paul is speaking, beyond measure. The imagery here is a ship that's overloaded with cargo and is beginning to, to sink. I mean, this is real heaviness. And uh, it's, it's a great picture here. You know, a couple of years ago, I had such an experience uh, w- when we pretty much just began this building project that uh, we're, we're about to get into the fun stuff of the building project. But uh, at the beginning of it, 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 it was brutal. And, uh, you know, almost everything in my life began to unravel. Uh, ministry began to unravel. Uh, long-term relationships began to uh, unravel. Uh, you know, uh, my health actually began to unravel. Business began to uh, unravel. Uh, but God kept me, and he will keep you. And there we were, he says, above strength. It wasn't that they didn't try to turn things around. The problem was they couldn't turn things around. And despite all the scripture Paul understood, in spite of all the revelation he had, despite the genuineness of his relationship with God and his faith, the apostle here, according to his own words, he felt absolutely powerless. And, you know, feeling powerless uh, is really the root of all strength. When I don't feel that I can control things that are necessary in my life, things that I need, you know, whether I, I, I can't, you know, put food on the table, that's stress. When I, I, I feel like I, I can't manage my time, that's stress. When I feel like I can't manage expectations, that is stress. So uh, it's an extremely, extremely stressful moment in the life of not only Paul, but also his whole team because he, he uses a we here because his whole team was in the same situation. It says, so that we despaired. Now, it's we again. So it's one thing for, for one individual to, to, you know, be a little bent out of shape and be uncertain. But when you have a whole team uncertain, you're in agreement about this thing. That, that's a very, very powerful situation. That's very difficult to come out of. So that we despaired, watch this, even of life. You know, the struggle to stay in the game was, 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 was just absolutely overwhelming for not only Paul, his, his entire team. So they started to think that it was no longer worth it. You know, that there's no way that what's on the other side of this could be worth what we're going through, ever have a moment like this. And they all began to, to wave uh, red flags. And everybody was, was giving up and, uh, you know, self-resignation was, was setting in. And, and you think, well, you know, these are a bunch of crybabies, crybabies, you know, what, what's their problem? Let, let, let me read you in a couple moments Paul's resume. This is one of the toughest and most tumble guys of the, the, the toughest and tumble guys, the most toughest and tumble, the most toughest of the tumble and the tumble of the toughest guys uh, that, that we have ever met in history. So, uh, okay, okay. White flag would be something that, that will show. So uh, he started waving a white flag. Now, this self-resignation uh, was not from a crybaby. This was a guy that has gone through a whole a lot of stuff. And uh, actually, I'm going to read in just a couple moments his resume. So this was just not, you know, some, some, some delicate man. Let's read. 
It says here, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. So five times, not one time, not two times, not three times, five times he was beaten like a slave. He was beaten like a criminal, though he was not either of those things. He was a free man. He had options in his life, but five times he, he was beaten. Now, what would you do if you were beaten five times, five within the inch of your life? And, uh, you know, how, how many of you would, would still look up to God and say, well, God, you're just God, you're fair. Uh, but Apostle Paul hung in there. This is a stout individual. This is a guy that has strong faith in God. And just because you have faith in God doesn't mean you'll, you won't experience trouble and you won't deal with setbacks, etc. You know, here's something that I, I, I just learned to embrace. Life is unfair. So, you know, when something unfair happens to me, I, 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 yeah, I, I have to acknowledge, okay, that was unfair. But I also have to think about how many times has life's unfairness worked out to my favor? I could have been born without legs. I could have been born without eyes. I could have been born without hands. I, 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 I could have been born in, in a nation that, you know, very different than our nation. I'm grateful to, to live in the, this country. I, I could be without food. Worse, I could be out of my mind. I could be, I could have dribble coming out of the side of my, my mouth. It could be very Different. So, you know, when I, I think about, you know, how unfair life is. Yeah, but it's not fair that I've been forgiven, that I've been washed. You know, it's not fair that I've been justified. It's not, it's not fair that I've been called by his name, that, that he's made me his own. I mean, that's not fair. Uh, so, you know, I, I, yeah, I got to take the good with, with, with the bad. And, you know, people may accuse me of a lot of things, but you, you'll never be able to rightly accuse me of being ungrateful. Uh, I am so grateful for what the Lord has done in my life, who he is in my life, all he's given me in my life. No, I may not have this, I may not have that, but I am grateful for what I do have. Then he says, three times, again, he's been beaten five times like a slave. Three times I was beaten with rods. That's a different type of beating. These uh, rods here would not only break bones, often they would beat your feet. They'd break all the bones in your feet, but they'd also... Uh, leave your, your legs marked for life. Uh, often you, you would walk, uh, you could barely walk. Some people would be paralyzed after this type of beating. So it got beaten five times with the whip, minus 40 strikes minus one. Uh, number two, beaten with sticks, beaten with rods. None of this was fair. All he was doing was preaching the gospel. He didn't deserve any of this. Then he says, once I was stoned, pummeled with, with, with rocks, people intentionally throwing rocks at them. Now, at least these other beatings, you only had one person do it. And with the stoning, you have multitudes or a multi, you, you have a crowd of people doing it. And it's, it's, it's easy, you know, to take that to heart when it's not just one person, but a whole lot of people are attacking you and, and stoning you. And he was left for dead, actually. And the Bible says God raised him up three times, three times. I was shipwrecked. So imagine on your next cruise, go out on your balcony and think about what it would be like to, to have to spend time in that ocean far from shore. This was part of Paul's reality. He was shipwrecked. So if you think you're swimming with sharks, believe me, Paul literally swam with sharks, barracudas and uh, uh, jellyfish and all the rest. He, he, he knows what it's like to suffer. And then he goes on, he said, a night and a day I have been in the deep. So imagine spending a, a whole day 
and all night in the ocean or in the sea with no help, no sight of land. Uh, this guy knew what it was like to be in deep water. He knew what it was like to be in over his head. And uh, Paul, you know, he, he goes on, actually, I'm going to stop here because there's a long list. He goes on for verses talking about the things that he suffered and went through. And when I read those things, they so encourage me because I'm like, well, all I do is sometimes work hard. All I do is push myself sometimes to the limit, but no one's beating me. Um, you know what? Uh, I, I haven't been to prison. By the way, when you go to a Roman prison, that is unlike any other place you've, you've ever been. You see, it was very different than our prison. Now, our prison, you have to deal with violence and all the rest, and that, that was violence there. But if someone died, they'd leave the corpse. People didn't have, there were no restrooms there. So the, the stench of it was overwhelming. Um, being in a Roman prison was a sentence of death. And most people, even if you, they thought you were innocent, if you went to prison, they did not expect you to get out. So th- this guy, you know, lived an, an incredible life. He, he was not a man with a delicate disposition. And, and all of a sudden, you know, he imagined life was harder than it is and, and he fell apart. No, this is, again, a tough and tumble guy. But no matter what happened in his life, he, he kept keeping on. And this was the grace of God at work in his life. And that same grace can be in work in uh, each of our lives. Let's go back to Second Corinthians 1 and 8, because finally, even the Apostle Paul here reached the breaking point. He says, we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Now, God's hand was on Paul's life, uh, but this is something you need to know. The anointing on your life, as real as as it is, as powerful as as it is, it doesn't exempt you from your humanness. I have gotten in trouble thinking that I was superhuman because God's hand was on my life. But then my, my, my flesh, my body, my mind, everything about me reminded me, hey, dude, you're just a guy and you need to check yourself and you need, might need to pace yourself in this situation. You know, some people may, may fall in love with your anointing, but never confuse that with them loving you. That, that's really, really important. You need people in your life that just don't love what you have, but they love you. Like my wife, she don't care anything about my anointing. She loves me. And that stabilizes me, that keeps me. And, uh, you know, I've had to learn this the hard way, but uh, th- this guy was a human and he had to deal with his humanity. And this is what these verses are all about in the midst of the anointing. So as powerful as what doing miracles, uh, God raising for the dead and the great testimonies. I mean, the Bible said he did extraordinary miracles. They would take handkerchiefs from him and, and people would get healed. This is a powerful man that wrote much of the New Testament, but... He was still a human and he had to deal with his humanity. So I don't care how Christian you are. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how long you've been in Christ. You are a human being and you got to tend to your humanity. And here it's almost like a psalm what we're reading because he's talking about his emotions and you don't get a lot of that from Paul, Uh, but he's talking about what he felt and what he went through. And I think it's important to read this. And if this could happen to a guy like that, of course it could happen to you and to me. You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer. Stay tuned and we will be right back with the rest of today's teaching. The desire for personal and professional development is a characteristic of successful leaders. It's the desire for growth and to serve with excellence that makes a great leader. 
The pathway to becoming a better leader isn't always easy. Busy schedules, finding proven resources, and networking with like-minded individuals can be challenging and time-consuming. If this sounds familiar, check out the Renaissance Leadership Network, where you will connect to a dynamic group of peers. Find premium resources and expertise from time-tested world-class leaders to help propel you towards your leadership goals. Best of all, the Renaissance Leadership Network offers ISET continuing education units for its learning events that comply with the ANSI ISET continuing education and training standard. For more information, go to rlnleadership.com and learn more about membership benefits designed to take you to the next level of leadership. While you are there, be sure to register for the next online leadership session. Now back to today's teaching. It says, but we had the sentence. So he talked about pressed above strength, all that. But we had, watch this, the sentence of death in our selves. Now, this is an allusion to the sign that a condemned man would wear around his neck. Literally, it was called a titulus, a titulus. And, um, the titulus was the, the board that was hung around the person's neck that the person's crime was written on it, just like with Jesus. And I'm a little bit ahead of myself because we're going to take a look at it. The Bible said the charges that were against him were put above him. Um, you know, here is the king of the Jews, yada, yada, yada. That was the titulus. And Jesus uh, actually carried a titulus on the way to the cross. Let's take a look at Matthew 27 and verse 37 in the Gospels. And they put over his head, Jesus' head, the accusation written against him. So this is the titulus, and they placed it around his neck. Then when he got to the cross, they hung it high on the cross. And they, the, the reason they hung it so high and typically above the head was so that everyone viewing would be warned against committing the same crime. So once this thing was hung around your neck, uh, the die was cast that these were the Romans and you didn't get away from the Romans. Um, you, you were a dead man walking. So he was like, we had the titulus, the sentence of death. There was no way out. The, the only thing next was the, the literal execution, but there, there was no way out. Back to Second Corinthians 1 and let's go to verse 9. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. So this sentence of death was not necessarily something that the crowd might be saying as much as they were saying it. And it's one thing when, when people are talking about you or when people hate you, but when you start hating yourself, uh, it's one thing when you have adversaries on the outside, but when you start having uh, adversary or, or, or challenges on the inside, that, that's when it really, really, really gets tough. He said, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. I saw myself with the titulus. There was no way out of this situation. I was going to go through something horrible and I would be uh, left for dead like those that had been crucified. So again, he had this thing wrapped around his neck in his own mind. He, and, and not only him, but his whole team felt like the walking dead. Everybody on the team, uh, there was no fight left on the inside of these men. Uh, have you ever felt like that? And this is what Paul had, had experienced and his whole team had experienced. But what the devil intends for evil, it's amazing how God somehow finds a way to work it for our good. Watch this next verse. We have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. Now, the devil may be trying to destroy you because the devil's a good devil, and that's what the devil does. The world may be trying to destroy you because the world is the world. 
But sometimes God can use our pain as, as heaven's hammer used to free us from our shackles of misplaced trust in ourselves. And this is actually what was happening because we, we know the devil was doing some stuff. But Paul here by the Holy Spirit kind of gives us another lens. Yeah, the devil was doing some things, but God was also working some things out. Now, people say when, when you get to the end of your rope, you know, hold on and tie a knot. Well, I'm here to tell you, when you get to the end of your rope, let go and let God. We're about to discover that right here. Let's keep going. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. So on the inside, we, we had given up that we should not now, what God was working was that we wouldn't even trust ourselves. We wouldn't even trust our assessment of our circumstances. Because many times I've looked at my circumstances, I'm like, no way. But God's like, you got to learn not to trust that and trust my word. And here they were in the same situation that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. It took me, I think it would be dishonest, but I said, I've learned this. I'm still learning this. Sometimes I forget and God has to remind me. But my rope is not long enough. My rope is not strong enough to get me where God wants me to be. So when I get to my wits end, I let go of my rope and hold on to his. And, and this is so vital. He got to a place where even his own stamina, his own personal strength, it came to the end. And the only thing he could do is look up and say, Lord, I will, I will trust you. And you will have moments in your life like that. And that's why Paul is, is writing about his own. That we should not trust in ourselves, but watch this, but in God who raises the dead. I want you to think about this. If you want to experience the God that raises the dead, in order for you to experience that God, something in your life may have to die. Let me say it again. To experience the God who raises the dead, something in your life must first die. I believe that, that the Lord is saying to me and he's saying to you, there's some things in our lives that we need to take off life support. There's some things we need to just let die in order for God to be God. And we're trying to keep the thing alive. We're trying to nurse that thing. And, and man, but, but God's like, man, just let it die so I can do what only I can do. Now that's, that's a little tough on the flesh. Because the flesh doesn't want anything to die. The, the flesh wants to, you know, keep stuff alive. That's just the way we are. There's this, this thing inside of us where, where we, we, we want to survive. But, and we also want the things around us to survive. But sometimes faith is just letting go and letting that thing die. And then watch what God does. Then God who delivered us, you see what happened? From so great a death. When Paul came to the end of himself and said, I can't, God stepped in and said, no problem, Paul, I can. And God wants to get you to the place. Now, listen, the devil's doing, don't think that the bad stuff happened is God doing it. But God is going to use that situation because God wastes nothing. He'll get you intensely or allow you to get to the place where you recognize you can't. So you can discover the God 
who can, and that takes a lot of pressure off. This is not about God's ego. It's like, well, I just want to be the, the can-do-it God. As much as if all the pressure is on you as a human being, that's stressful. You're imperfect. You mess up. You get tired. You get weary. You, you miss you know, some, some I's you, you, and, and you don't dot so, you don't cross some T's. As humans, we just do that. It's like, well, what I want to do is free you from that. I want you to put your trust in someone who can't mess up, someone who can't miss, someone that's absolutely invincible, someone that knows all, someone that can never make a mistake. So, you know, if you're trusting in yourself, you're going to be very frustrated because we mess up. But if you're trusting in God who never fails, you can really experience Joy unthinkable and full of glory. This has been a special edition of the Live Big Broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. We pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue this teaching. Our prayer is that this teaching from God's Word strengthens and inspires you to live a life bigger than yourself. So remember, you can access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. And we also invite you to join the Grace Church family for service online by connecting on our website or on YouTube at Grace Church VA TV. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to live big. Despite our best intentions, we all get offended at times. It might be over small things like a parking space at church or, or big things like betrayal. In Luke 17, 1, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Jesus is saying you are kidding yourself if you think you could live your life without anyone ever upsetting you. Conflicts will come, but it's how we handle them that makes all the difference. Jesus goes on to say, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If someone wrongs you, do not pretend it did not happen. Have the courage to graciously and lovingly address it. I'm not talking about keeping score over every little misstep and mishap, but I am saying instead of just talking about the person, talk to the person. If they're willing to make healthy adjustments, let it go and move on. Conflicts are inevitable, but they not only reveal who others are, they also reveal who we really are. For more, go to gracechurchva.org and as always, live big.